Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 225. And today I have a fantastic guest. We're going to be talking about how he is actually a, one of three instructional coaches in a school district of 62 buildings. Yeah, if you're out there going, how do I manage my two buildings, my three buildings, my six buildings? Try imagining yourself doing 62 buildings and 25,000 students. It is a great interview. I hope you have a chance to stick around to the end. We get a chance to talk about a few things, including an interesting podcast that this uh, instructional coach put together featuring his own teachers in his own school district. All the links in this stuff is for this episode are going to be over in our show notes, episode number 225. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope that uh, you're having a good time. Uh, last couple of weeks, if you haven't had a chance to check out askthetechcoach.com, there's a lot of great things happening. We have been tearing apart all the sites from the front end, from the back end, redesigning it, new logos, uh, new drip campaigns, new newsletters, Everything about TeacherCast in the last month has has been redesigned. And the goal is that when January 1st comes along, uh, some great new content, some great things happening here. So thank you so much for sticking around today. I am so excited that you're here. If this is the first time you're here, thank you so much. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. I am excited about my interview today. My guest today is a senior learning digital analyst, otherwise known as an instructional coach in the great state of Massachusetts. I want to bring on today my good friend, Mr. Michael Thomas. Mike, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I am excited to be here, and it's been a great day. It's PD Day. I don't know about for you, but PD Days always invites a lot of questions from teachers. As tech coaches, we have to be ready to answer everything as soon as we can. I completely agree. We are recording this episode on November 8th on election night here. And I got to be honest, I did some PD today too. rolled out some neat things that we've been building and the, 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 you know, the students, the teachers had a great time with it. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Originally from Vermont, Massachusetts. Now, who is Michael Thomas? Yeah. So I was born and raised in Vermont, but If you know anything about Vermont, you know it's not a large state. And when you go into education for a job for your future and you apply for jobs and fresh out of college, you don't quite stand up to seven years and uh, master's. So I had to go find a teaching job and opportunities arose in Massachusetts and moved down here with my wife so that she could go to grad school and I could start teaching in Springfield, and I pretty much have never left Springfield. So I've worked in a couple of different school settings. One, um, charter setting. That was when I was still getting my Massachusetts license because fresh teachers out of Vermont don't get the reciprocation that 
would have been great to have right away. So started out at a charter school, learned a lot there, and then moved into Springfield Public Schools, where I have been ever since. And so for me, kind of working through teaching and then realizing that I loved technology and I I found out quickly that while I am good at being a fifth grade classroom teacher, which is what I had taught for my entire teaching time, I was a lot better at training adults on how to become more efficient in the classroom. And so working with teachers to do things like use a digital grade book instead of a paper grade book or use Outlook to mark off calendar events or send emails even. And so from that, an opportunity arose within the district to really um, use the things that I was passionate about, which is making it easier for teachers in the classroom to operate and have more time. Because I'm sure, as you know, Jeff, teachers in the classroom, you're teaching five days a week and then you're after school for many hours and your weekends are full of planning and grading and all of that. And I really wanted to help teachers simplify as much as they can. So one, that they have their own personal lives back because I realized that was something when I was teaching I lacked. And also more time teaching and less time doing a lot of the administrative things. So true on that. You know, many teachers are overwhelmed these days. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it just takes a nice, friendly instructional coach to come by and say, you know, can I take that off your plate? Can I help you out with that? Can I show you an easier way? I mean, a few weeks ago, we did a whole uh, podcast on instructional coaching and we were calling them pickup lines, but really conversation starters, things to mm -hmm. kind of get you into the classroom and get you moving. Um, what was that transition like from being a classroom teacher into an instructional coach? What were some of the challenges that you were facing at the time? And what was some of the things that just came easy to you? So I think the first challenge that I recognized and being two weeks into the position of instructional coach, I had to um, do a presentation in front of the superintendent, the assistant superintendents, a uh, number of other high ranking officials within the school district on something that I was given two weeks to prepare on. And so for me, one of the things I learned quickly was I had to think quicker on my feet than I did in the classroom. And I also had to learn how to talk to various school groups. So I, you talk to administrators one way, you talk to teachers another way. And that was some one of the challenges that I first had was trying not to talk to everybody like I was teaching a fifth grader on how to do something. So as time went on, there were various tools. Microsoft has a really great tool that I used um, once it became available in the testing time of a presenter coach. And that really kind of allowed me to like actually practice because I remember times of sitting in PDs with people and they read me the slides. And then I found that I would try not to do that, but I always ended up doing that for half my slides of when I was presenting. So by using that tool, it allowed me to really hone in on getting 
better as a presenter, which of course led to more opportunities to like speak at conferences and just kind of promotes within the district, those kind of tools. How did you do on that first uh, presentation or so to your school board superintendent uh, <laughs> higher ups? I'm going to go with, I was told by my bosses, I did really well. Mentally, I did terrible because the room that we were doing the presentation in, the Wi-Fi kept crashing. And when you're presenting on Microsoft tools in the web version, so the Office 365 part, back in 2016, and you're not having great Wi-Fi, every time you go to click on something or demonstrate how something worked, it would time out and give you an error screen. Ouch. So that's uh, it was a little rough, but you know what? We've all been there, right? Mm -hmm. We we've all done the presentations. We've all said to ourselves, maybe doing a live demo isn't the best thing. Maybe, oh, this is why we do screenshots on a PowerPoint <laughs> or something like that, right? Right. Or survived like, and right, and it, it it was it was I'm sure it was wonderful. Yeah, or being like, this is sway, and this is how sway can be used by all sorts of people, including yourselves, to make newsletters. And then you click on it and it doesn't work. Now, you and I have something in common here, which is we do a lot of work um, using Microsoft tools. Uh, do, do you have a favorite thing that you use personally? Uh, and do you have a favorite one that you mm -hmm. like to uh, share with your teachers? Oh, man, that's, that's such a hard question because, as you know, there are a lot of great tools and you're right. We are both MIEEs. And so we have access to learn about a lot of these tools. I think when I first started out, I loved Sway because I could, and I promoted that a lot with teachers because Sway gave teachers the ability to simplify student presentations. Because I don't know about you, Jeff, but whenever I taught and I was trying to get them to use PowerPoint, my students, they would spend more time on the bells and whistles of it yes, and not on the content. And Sway kind of forced the content first. I, I got to ask, what's your philosophy with Sway? I know people who are all for it. There's people that bang their head against the wall because intuitively it's not the best designing tool. And then I also know people who say, don't spend time, just hit the little you know, remix button and, <laughs> and then go with that. Like where, where are you on Sway? Personally, I love the application, but I always get frustrated because I can't make, you know, exactly what I'm looking for. And I, what I've been told is that's not the point. Just build it and let, make it look awesome. Where, where are you on Sway? So on Sway, I love it for certain things. I love it for the newsletter aspect. And I do love that remix button uh, with laying content in there and then just kind of pounding away at it until I get something I like. Uh, when it comes to working with teachers and students, I always present it as the layout is intuitive for students because they're so used to dragging and dropping. And a lot of our state tests have a lot of drag and drop questions on it. So they get you that practice in there. But I don't know. I always go back and forth on it. I do love it for a lot of different things. Um, but you're right. For some people who are very linear thinking, 
it can pose a challenge, especially when you start messing with how it presents itself. Let's take a step back here. Talk to me a little bit about your program. What grades do you cover? How many schools? What's your typical day look like? Oh, yeah. So here in Springfield, we have 62 schools, 25,000 students, 5,000 teachers, paraeducators, counselors, admins. Uh, We are the second largest district in New England behind Boston and slightly ahead of Worcester and Hartford. Mm -hmm. So a typical day for me because of the various aspects of my position, I coach um, with the coaching. I'll work with teachers. I have, they'll send me questions throughout the day. How do I do this? How do I do that? From that, it will turn into working on the blog or the podcast to do a lot of the research that teachers don't necessarily have the time for on how to use a lot of these tools that the district pays for. Uh, then there'll be parts of my day where I'm actually making training videos. I've made a lot of that. Or lately, we have been really gearing up our computer science aspect of the district. So I've been going out to schools and recording classrooms and then making short videos promoting computer science in the classroom. Because... I don't know how you dealt with this, Jeff, but every time I was teaching and I was told, hey, you should go see so-and-so's classroom, I didn't get to do that because I also had my own classroom. And so by part incorporating this into my role, instead of a teacher telling another teacher, hey, go and check out this classroom, now it's, hey, check out this video on this lesson that I did in my classroom to kind of help like promote that um, unity within the district and also the ability to actually go and see what's happening in other teachers' classrooms. Now with the district so big, how do you manage yourself? How, I, I mm-hmm. didn't pick up how many buildings are you responsible for? Like how big is your coaching team? If you've got 62,000 people. Oh, 62 schools, 25,000 students. Sorry. I got that wrong. <laughs> 25 schools. Okay. Nope. 62 schools. 25,000 students. Got it. How many people are on your coaching team? To manage that time, our team, there's three of us. Wow. And we kind of take things as they go, and we each have our own specific roles. So for me, I am more the, the coach, the trainer, the... Um, videographer, I guess, would be a good way to put it into what we're doing in the class, what's happening in the schools. One of my colleagues focuses on primarily all of the state assessments and the district assessments. And then our newest colleague kind of works between both teams. And you're considered instructional coach, tech coach. I mean, do these buildings also have ELA, math, science, what like content coaches but then the three of you float around like how does all that work yeah so it's confusing um (laughs) to start with um every school in the district has uh ela and math ils's um science there's two people within for the entire district 
that will go around and coach. And then we are not curriculum coaches per se. We're more of like, this is using the technology in the classroom type coaches. So, so how, are you, role, how are you promoted? I mean, like, you got 62 schools. <laughs> I think I said that right, right? Yep. 62 schools. So that's 62 principles. How does somebody know to reach out to you? Mm -hmm. Period. <laughs> yeah. So we have a manager in our district who um, manages our team. And then usually the principals will reach out to our manager. And from there, they get we get filtered out however is needed. Um, we also have in our like district help desk a way to request trainings. And so that's been one thing that we've done a lot of this year in particular for um, one of our grade, our grade book tool, Power Teacher Pro. We've had a number of principals reach out and say, I would love to have someone there for the whole day. And so when that happens, then we each get, I don't want to say farmed out because it's not as nice, but essentially we get farmed out to a school for the day. Okay. I'm just trying to do the math here, and I'm sure other people who are listening to do this. I mean, pr principal number 12 calls your manager. <laughs> you, you got 61 other schools that you might be booked for on any given day or week. That just sounds really, really massive. It is. It is massive. Um, but we've been able to do it so far. I mean, we clearly wish that we had more of us in our department. Mm -hmm. But one of the things the district has also taken upon itself is now that every school has a computer science teacher and a um, technology coordinator also within the schools, we can train them and then they can train others too on the tools. So Got it's it. a variety of different ways that we work with the massive amount of people and now you keep saying the word training and I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Obviously when you're one person and you're dealing with 62 buildings, your role can't be always in the classroom side by side with teachers, right? Or, or is it more, right. you come to a building and you set up shop and you do your thing, or is the expectation for you to be, I'm going to go meet with Mrs. Smith and I'm going to sit down with her and I'm going to give her a lesson and I'm going to, Co I mean, can you come up with a coaching cycle when you're rotating 62 buildings? Not an effective one yet. So it's something <laughs> that we're still trying to work on and it's gotten better. Honestly, it was kind of great during COVID. I know as weird as that might sound because we were all remote, it was easy to remote into people's classrooms or remote into meetings and be able to have a bunch of them back to back because there's no travel time across the district. It might take 20, 30 minutes to go from one school to the next. But now that even we've expanded using teams in the district, I can meet with teachers pretty regularly whenever they are looking for something. What's your communication platform here? I mean, okay. We talked about sway, but I mean, are you expected to create a newsletter that goes out or do the three of you create a district coaching digital learning whatever newsletter like how does all this information get dispersed is it at your level or does that have to come from above you 
So one thing I learned early on is that um, when you do a district all email, you can lose your email privileges. So don't do that. Um, so what we've taken on is we do create a newsletter, the three of us through Sway, and then we post it in our learning management system. And because we've enrolled everybody in like a getting started with course inside there, everybody gets the newsletter. And then we also send the newsletter out to principals because we're allowed to do that. And so the principals get it. And then we hope and pray that principals then forward that along. Of course, with not being able to always track everything, like we don't know where people are looking at, but we can see like, oh, and that's one of the nice things with Sway too, is there's a whole lot of analytics that like basic analytics that you can get. So it's like, uh, recently we were at a conference and we were talking about how like we were building community using the Microsoft tools mm -hmm. and someone asked like, well, how do you know people are looking at the Sways? And so we were able to pull up and say like, here's a Sway that went out two hours ago. And we've already had 80 people look at it, 30 people dive deep into it. And then I went and checked later that week and we were at 12,000. So it's, there's, it's hard to judge because you don't always get the feedback that you're looking for right. with the newsletters, but you can at least get with Sway, it gives you like quick analytics of how many people looked at it. Do, do you have any tricks for making or for keeping track of what they click on? I, I know for myself, even though I would make a newsletter, let's say in a Google site or a Sway or something, um, I would be crazy and take the next step. And any of the links inside were bitlies. So I was capturing analytics on the analytic but I'm also weird like that, right? Like I, I, anybody, my listeners know I'm kind of, I kind of go to that extra, a, extra step here with that stuff. But 12,000 12, is a very that. impressive number for a newsletter. Mm -hmm. I wish I had that. Of course, I don't have 12,000 in my <laughs> district, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 12,000 is a really nice number. District, yeah. So I'm actually, I just wrote down what you said because we hadn't thought of that before to help with the tracking. So we're now, it was easier a couple of years ago our... when they had the, the Google, you know, Google got, whatever that was called, but they don't have that anymore. So yeah, I, I pawned off a bitly account and yeah, just you're, you're, you're keeping track on everything possible. Or I might throw like a couple of short links from, from other things that I do here, but interesting, you know, even, even in for myself in the last week, I started a new newsletter in my new building and I know I got a lot of people looking at it, but then when I asked like, so did you check out that lesson? They went, what lesson? I'm like, Okay. So, so they got mm -hmm. click number one, right. But they right. didn't get click number two. So and what do I, what can I do to change the, the platform or the, the, the visual to get that second click in there? That's, I love the game of, of newsletters and, e and email communication <laughs> for teachers. Yeah. I mean, that game is, it's definitely a game. And I think what we have found to be effective too is within the newsletters, we're always trying to highlight teachers throughout right. the district and so a lot of times we know that's because those videos that go into Sway are from YouTube. We also have the YouTube numbers mm -hmm. with them. So it'll say how many views on YouTube for that video. So then we can start to say, hey, did you see so-and-so doing that lesson? 
And then that kind of spurs on, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm going to do that. Try a little healthy competition. So, and you were asking about how another way that we do communicate and do a lot of these training on tools. Uh, we have created in our district, uh, we call it 22 tools for 2022 where we take a lot of the tools that we have done trainings on in the past number of years, and then given the teacher's badges when they complete ch the challenge that goes along with it. So the challenges could range from Outlook and having a email signature, which is surprising. Not everybody knows how to no, do those. I 100% agree not many know how to do it right or well because they'll be like oh i want that fancy script i know people can't see what we're doing but i'm like waving my hand around here um so they want that but that doesn't translate to every web browser right. or everybody's email so it's like how do we make it uniformed and easy to read it's hard to explain that in, in microsoft outlook you must be using a google font <laughs> right what really funny too, like why I always outlook what that's the first option in the 22 tools to like earn a badge for one of my first schools that I worked with their challenge that they were having. The administrator was having was communicating with their staff and the way that's cause I always approach it. Like, tell me what you have been doing so that I can figure out a way to help you do it better. They were sticking notes in mailboxes and teachers weren't checking mailboxes for they might check it once a day. Mm -hmm. And if a note goes in in the morning after that's been checked, that note doesn't make it to the teacher. Mm -hmm. So I introduced them to Outlook. Right. Their email and how to how they can use that to kind of communicate with their teachers. Do it you deep dive into this Outlook? Was back in 2016 where you would have thought email would have been one of those common tools. Yeah. I I, I love going through Outlook, just nerding out about Microsoft here, but um, I, I love teaching Outlook boards and, and opening their eyes to the fact that an Outlook board can have your to-dos and your email and your calendar, and it can be moved anywhere you want. There's sticky notes and all that great stuff, right? Like, I, I don't I, I I'm one of those coaches. I kind of live on my Outlook board because I can do whatever I need to infinite canvas, that kind of thing. And if you're listening and you don't know what an outlook board is, go into outlook, click over to calendar. You'll see the views day, week, month, whatever mm -hmm. board, and you'll see a board view. And then from there, basically that gives you like a desktop area where you can add any of these types of widgets from your Microsoft to do's your calendars, your email, like you basically can just set your entire desktop. And for me, on a widescreen monitor at my desk, I just love being able to see everything as wide as possible. And that's kind of one of my productivity hacks for other coaches. And even when I do like, with teachers is just making sure that everything is there. I'm curious with, with three coaches, you said that you each have your individual roles. How do you end up communicating with each other? Are you on a group oh, text? We're, we're, a constant, chat? we're yeah. constantly teams chatting each other. Okay. Um, so, uh, I mean, right now it's, we're outside of normal work hours here. So we're not communicating, but I was away for a few days recently. And after like kind of catching up on my emails, like I started sending chats at like eight o'clock in the morning being like, 
Hey, was this solved? How's this thing going? Holy Batman. There's a lot of tickets on this. Because <laughs> we have to we have a ticketing system which helps us manage a lot of things. And we all get emails for those. So it's like, oh, how's this going? Was this taken care of? Do you need me for this? Because this is my area of expertise type mm -hmm. things. So it's constant teams chatting. We have a lot of coaches listening to this show that are in their first few weeks. I mean, I know it's November, almost in December here, but there's still new coaches. What advice do you have for anybody who's starting off the profession? Maybe they're looking to start their first coaching cycle. Maybe they're trying to figure out how to deal with their 62 buildings. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is take a deep breath because everything doesn't have to be solved or fixed or trained up immediately and kind of Listen to what your teachers that you're working with are asking for and then building something from there. Instead of going in with, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, find out what is needed first. Because once you can address what the teachers need, they're going to be more willing to listen to you when you say, hey, I've got this thing I think you would be great with. I don't know if that quite makes sense. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at working with other coaches, hmm. trying to get into the classroom for the first time, what's your advice on that? It's the whole concept of coach and teacher interactions and getting past the, hey, how you doing, getting them into those more meaningful conversations. What are those things that are kind of in your back pocket to get you from point A to point B prime? So in my back pocket, as you put it, I, I'm apparently a very good talker and very friendly. And so once we get those chats going, and again, it's kind of promoting the idea of, I want to give you back your time mm -hmm. outside of school. That seems to do it for a lot of teachers when you, when you're trying to get in there and coach them or train them up on something it's hey i have this thing that could save you a weekend by doing it this way so it's kind of i guess i would go with like the tools that i know save teachers time because of coming from the classroom i don't know jeff if you ever worked with anybody who never was a teacher but then started to coach teachers <sighs> Those are always the hardest, right? Like I, I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of younger mm -hmm. coaches, people who haven't had mm -hmm. the experience in the classroom. I find that that's a difficult one too, that you, you really do have to work hard to show off that like, yes, I can stand here with you and tell you how to be a teacher or help you be a teacher. Yeah, because teachers can pick up right away, mm -hmm. just like students could pick up right away if you know what you're doing. And, and honestly, I had the same exact thing my first couple of years because I was introduced as I'm a music guy. And I still introduce myself as I'm a music guy. <laughs> but, you know, when a teacher says, oh, you weren't a fifth grade teacher, you wouldn't know how to help me. Those are those are fun hurdles that you have to get over, I think. Yeah, I know that's when we've added throughout my time in my position, we've had a few other people come and go with on the team and with one of them who had not been a classroom teacher, but went from 
undergrad to grad to the position that they were in to instructional design and then and then to us mm -hmm. it was really hard to help them understand like how to like empathize with teachers really yeah and to kind of help build that rapport and it definitely took time unfortunately by the time that they were ready they moved on to another position so and you know coaches sometimes that happens you're here for a couple of years and then something happens you move buildings or you change things or, or mm -hmm. regime change happens you've got new leadership there's mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff and if you have any questions about that you know that's what we're here for that's why this show is called mm -hmm. ask the tech coach and you can always reach out to us here on this show you know you can head on over to feedback at teachercast.net find us on twitter at ask the tech coach um there's a lot of good things in here as Mike and I have been talking about that is good for instructional coaches, no matter what size the district, mm -hmm. Mike, before I let you go, you, uh, you're a creative guy. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So with the position of into the district for the, our originally it was digital learning analysts. And then of course, if you want to get raises, they got to add, titles to your title. <laughs> so one of the things that helps with that for me was trying to come up with ideas for how to help teachers hear and see what's happening in other teachers' classrooms. Because as I, I mentioned earlier, one of the things as a teacher I was always told is, you should go visit this person's classroom. I think you could learn something from them. But I had to either write lesson plans or I had to do it on my free period, which usually was an IEP meeting or team meeting or meetings with the ILS. So there was never really that time to go in and visit with teachers to hear or see what they were doing. So I presented to our leadership team, what if we did a podcast where we interview teachers and then we also add doing some of the educational resource, pedagogical resources, like kind of build that up with them. And the first response I got was, what is a podcast? And so once I kind of explained it and then sent off a few of my favorites, like Business Wars and TED Talks, and uh, there's a couple other ones, um, the Popcast. I like pop culture, silly stuff. I don't know about you, but I need to unwind. I need something silly. Um, and so I sent off like those examples along with the cult of pedagogy, um, which is an excellent podcast as examples of like, this is what a podcast is and can be. This is what I would like to do. And so they gave me the green light. And so now I think as we were talking before, I think we're 122 episodes in where I just get to go and interview teachers and not only hear about their use of technology when they first started teaching, things that they're doing now, things that they're looking forward to, and kind of help promoting some of the tools that we use in the district whenever we can. But it's really a way to give teachers a voice in the district. Because in a district as large as ours, one teacher can feel very alone and lost. And so hearing from other teachers who are in that same position is really encouraging and helpful. And so that's 
led to, so doing the podcast, the podcast, the SPS digital learning hour is what we call it. Mm. At first we did go for an hour because we would do like talk more research stuff. And then there would be like a half hour interview with a teacher. And then as staff changed that I was working with, it became just my own thing where I primarily focus on interviewing teachers because it's great to share what's happening in the classroom and it's great to promote great teachers. And it's one way that I think has helped Springfield keep a lot of teachers is feeling recognized because I'm at the district level. It makes, it gives that feeling of, Hey, the district notices me and the district sees that I'm doing something well in the classroom. So that's kind of where that, the SPS digital learning hour all kind of came from. And then from that, because we stopped doing a lot of the research aspect of the podcast that turned into the blog. And then of course, with any blog, you have to give yourself some sort of creative name to catch people. And when I first started, I couldn't believe that there was nobody called bearded tech ed guy, <laughs> which I thought was kind of the most obvious name. No one had it. So I was like, yeah, let's go for it. So the bearded tech ed guy is what your district knows you as. Yeah. I, it's a, That's what's awesome. really fun is when you're out, not at schools, but at other places within Springfield, or I've even had it to other towns where some of these teachers live. And just because I like to um, adventure out into other towns, I'll get a lot of these you look kind of familiar. And then we'll start talking. It's like, you sound really familiar. Wait, you're the bearded tech ed guy. That's awesome. So it was really fun. Uh, recently, I was doing a father-son hike with a bunch of other fathers. And one of the fathers kept looking at me and staring. And then he came to realize that he knew me from not just the training videos that I make, but also the podcast because of just our talking back and forth. And it's that you have a really familiar voice type thing. So when, when you get that, that's pretty awesome. And it, so congratulations for that. Now, of course that means that you can't shave ever, right? True. Also, I'm pretty sure I'd freak my kids out if I ever shaved. <laughs> so, Cause I've, they've only ever known me with a beard. If you'd like to see Mike Thomas without his beard, please do us a favor and write to us on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. If we can get a thousand likes on this program, not happening. Not happening. If we can get 10 million likes on this program, <laughs> Mike, I want to say thanks so much. Uh, please feel free to come on this show anytime. Uh, there's so many topics that I know we wanted to hit from applications to a whole mess of stuff, but. Um, I always like to say this is just part one of a four part series. So let's get you back on the show and come on and, and, you know, number one, congratulations on your successes. I mean, the fact that you're able to manage, what did you say? 175 schools and 13 students and all, all those <laughs> wonderful numbers and stuff like that with only three instructional coaches and you're, you know, you're creating stuff and you're helping out with the LMS and you're doing all of the, podcasting and recording. And I mean, that's just an amazing, amazing gig. And it's inspiring for anybody out there that's saying, okay, I'm a teacher now. What do I need to do? How do I need to get there? Um, it's inspiring for anybody that's currently in the position that says, look, you know, I might have three buildings, eight buildings, whatever I happen to have, but he's got 62. 
And and there is something to be said about that. And obviously, working in a in a team and as a department, that's inspiring too, Mike. So I'm going to give you the last word. What advice do you have for anybody going through this school year, working with teachers, and and we're still going through a tremendously crazy year. But what advice do you have? What's that thing that keeps you going every single day? Well, first, thanks for having me on, Jeff. It's been a lot of fun talking, and I do look forward to more conversations. That one thing that I think to offer as a piece of advice is don't be afraid to stop learning. There's a lot of great free resources out there to develop and strengthen your skills. And who knows, maybe you'll find something that you really enjoy doing that you can turn into being larger within your district, within your school. Don't be afraid to listen at PD. I know we all at PD, we don't necessarily want to be there, but when you're required to be there, try to take something out of it and just have fun. Technology's fun. Being in the classrooms is fun. Well put, well said, and what a great hashtag. Have fun with this. This is a fantastic position to be in. And if you have any questions, you can please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. Leave us a voice message and let us know what questions you'd like to have or if you'd like to be a guest on the show. Mike, uh, closing arguments here. Where can we get a hold of you? What's your website? How do we find you? Yeah, so, well, beardedtechedguy.com. That's the website where you can find the, the blog is obviously posted there. Uh, we also have links to the podcast and all the YouTube videos that we do. Uh, you can find me out on Twitter at bearded tech ed. Cause apparently bearded tech ed guy is three characters too long. <laughs> and same with any of the other socials. I'm kind of out at, I try to use the big three, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram. And then of course the podcast, which is the SPS digital learning hour, which is available on every podcast platform. We, of course, are going to have links to all of these things in our show notes. This is episode number 225. Again, we want to say thanks to Mike. And thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hope you've had a chance in the last few weeks to check out the brand new website over at askthetechcoach.com. Brand new stuff. Lots of great content. We've been going strong now with our podcast here. We've been, we're even going to be starting to put out bonus episodes. We're so backlogged with uh, great recordings. But we are not done for the year. We want to have you on the show. So please feel free to join us over on our Instructional Coaches Network. We would love to have you as part of our Instructional Coaching family. And that wraps up episode number 225 of Ask the Tech Coach. On behalf of Mike and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.